Welcome to First Focus, a weekly podcast here at First Pres Columbia, where we highlight various events and ministries around the church. Joining me this week for the first of two episodes is Reverend Leon Brown. We'll be discussing his background, conversion, and introduction to Reformed doctrine. Leon is an author, speaker, and pastor of Crown and Joy Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. If you have any questions about his work, our church, its programs, or any ministry here, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all our contact information on our website, which is firstpreskolumbia.org. That's firstpreskolumbia.org or on our app. Now, let's get to our conversation. With me this afternoon is Leon Brown. Leon, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Thank you, brother, for having me. So uh, you and I were talking on the ride over here. I had the enormous privilege of picking up from the airport and us spending time together. been a huge blessing to me. Uh, and as you and I were talking, I got to hear a bit about your conversion. You did not grow up in the Reformed community and, in fact, weren't a believer growing up. So would you mind sharing that with our listeners? How did you come to know Christ? And particularly, how did you become Reformed? So born in Los Angeles, California in 1979, essentially born in a single-parent household. Mm. The way the story goes, or at least the way it's conveyed to me, is that uh, my father left when I was about four. But I don't remember him being there. I definitely don't remember him leaving. Wow. But I came into this world a heroin baby. Wow. And moved, essentially, uh, by some interactions that took place between my mother and my aunt from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. The reason that transition took place when I was about eight years old is because my aunt said, if you don't want Leon to be dead in jail, or involved in a gang, you need to get out of L.A. Wow. So I was raised in a community where drugs were in and out of the house. Mm -hmm. I used to watch my grandmother and my aunts and some of the neighborhood folks smoke crack. Wow. Uh, It was a routine part of life to just see drugs, though by the grace of God, at least I see that now. Right. uh, It it never consumed me. So my, my mother and I picked up and moved to Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, she sobered up, praise Mm God. But in all of this time, I still had no affiliation with the church. Mm. So I'm going to fast forward several years now. At 15 years of age, we're still in Las Vegas. My mother leaves me and goes back to Los Angeles. Wow. And we were staying with a family friend. Okay. She told me she went back to Los Angeles to take care of our grandmother, who was having some issues with drug addiction as well. Mm. I later found out that was not true. Mm. Uh, But... She tells me from Los Angeles as I'm waiting for her in Las Vegas, honey, I'm going to be back on a certain day. Mm. I said, great. I look forward to seeing you. By this time, again, I'm a 15-year-old kid. I still never knew my father, love my mother. She, she raised me. That's your mom, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I stayed at the door all night waiting for her. Man. She never came home. Mm. She calls the next day. Sorry, honey. Some stuff came up. I'll be home tonight. I said, great, mom. I look forward to seeing you. Mm. Stayed at the door. That evening, she never came home. Mm. I didn't hear from her for years. The guy with whom I was staying said, you're not blood family, you got to get out. So when he kicked me out of his house, again, continuing to kind of fast forward things here a little bit, uh, I had to drop out of high school. Wow. My aunt helped me find a place to live, Mm. helped me get a job, 
And as I was working, there was a guy who had come in to put in his termination notice. And I said, hey, man, where are you going? His name is Jason Potts. Okay. wish I can find him. Yeah. Uh, but he put in his termination notice because he was going to join the Navy. By this time, we're about 17 years of age. Okay. And he says, Leon, you should come and talk to the recruiter. I said, no, I'm fine. You know, things are great where they are. Well, yeah. he was persistent. Yeah. So I went and saw the recruiter and everything else is a blur. Wow. He was that smooth. Yeah. I ended up signing all the paperwork getting all my medical exams and then next thing you know I'm in boot camp in Great Lakes Illinois wow in 1998 so now by this time I'm 18 years of age still no church background nothing mm. after boot camp in 98 I go to San Diego for a little while after some training there they ship a few of us off to Newquay England it's about five hours south of London okay. in, in the UK okay and about two years there developed a relationship with a hospital corpsman he was retiring and because of the relationship we had, he thought it would be acceptable for him to say, hey, in my retirement or after my retirement, I'm going to be a pastor down the road from the base. Right. I'm like, OK, see you later. <laughs> and uh, he was persistent. And finally, I gave in. Mm. And it was the first service. The blinders came off. Wow. It's a Pentecostal church. God does work in those circles. Yes, he does. Amen. Amen. And uh, so it was shortly after that. Um, came back to the United States in, in about 2001 or so and just continued the journey mm. as as a Christian. And we can talk about how I became Reformed possibly a little bit later. But that was basically what happened. I got invited to church in 2000 in Newquay, England, and wow. the Lord saved me. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing what one invitation does and the trajectory that it can place you on. Uh, Jesus uses all kinds of people and places and things in order to call his people unto himself. Amen. You know what it reminds me of? What's that? It reminds me of John 4 when the hmm. woman at the well interacted with Jesus and then she goes back to the people of her city and just says, come see a man. Right. There was no 1 Corinthians 15 gospel presentation. It right. was simply, come see a man. Right. That's like that invitation to church. That's right. It's amazing when you look at uh, Jesus and how he saves sinners that it defies a discrete categorization. That you can't say Jesus always follows this formula to save people. He always asks these two questions or he always asks these, or uses these three quotes from the Old Testament. It is varied because he knows the heart of men. He knows what they need and he can penetrate it. Only the word can do that. Amen. Uh, okay, so here you are in England. You attend a church service. You become saved. You then rotate back to the States. That's right. And where do we pick up from there? So after we, uh, after I come back to the States, I probably should have backed up because when I got kicked out of that uh, family friend's house, mm. uh, that also caused me to drop out of high school. Right. We talked a little bit about that. We yep. are both uh, recipients both of, of GEDs. GEDs, that's, that's right. right. And so when I left England, it was because I got picked up for a program for the Navy to send me to school. Mm. So I went and did my undergrad at the University of San Diego, uh, basically switched my degree a whole bunch of times before I ended up graduating with a communication studies degree. Right. 2005, so again, I'm crossing a lot of time here. 2005, yeah. I get married. Okay. Right around the time I get married, I started a parachurch ministry called Evangelism Team. Okay. One of the things I knew when I got saved back in 2000 was Jesus is so good, I have to tell everyone. I didn't know Amen. what I was going to tell everyone. Right. And I ruined, uh, at least for a little while, a lot of relationships in my family by saying, you're all going to hell. Right. But as I figured out that there are other ways to navigate uh, right. presenting God's grace and his love. That and conversation. Law, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
started a, a parachurch ministry called Evangelism Team. So what happened was uh, in that parachurch ministry, we would uh, teach other churches and folks in the church how to share the gospel. I would do street preaching, things of that nature. I'm in on the beach in San Diego doing some street preaching, and I noticed a guy was there witnessing with us, uh, but he was new. And mm. I noticed he also ran our gospel tracks. We had published in our parachurch ministry about 40 tracks. Wow. And so I went over, I said, hey, you're new here, man. Let me give you some tracks. He said, great. So I gave him a stack of tracks. He said, before I give these out, I need to read them. I yeah. said, great. So I go back off. I'm sharing the gospel with people. He comes back over to me and he says, and by showing me the track, he says, what do you mean by this? And I had written something like God died for everyone in the world in Jesus. Yeah. And he goes, well, what do you mean by that? And I, so I started to engage him, and he just immediately overcame me mm. with quoting scripture and his convictions. And I kind of pushed him away to say, look, I'm not here to talk about that. I just want to share the gospel. Leave me alone. Right. So I called my friend Matt up after that conversation. I said, hey, Matt, what's this guy talking about? Yeah. And he said, oh, that's Calvinism versus Arminianism. He said, whatever you do, don't become a Calvinist. <laughs> so I'm like, great, I will not become a Calvinist. And so I went home that afternoon after sharing the gospel on the beach, and I was still upset that this guy was confronting me. Yeah. And I talked to my wife about it. I said, we got to read more about this. Mm. So we found a Christian bookstore. I walk into the Christian bookstore with my bride. And the owner, I didn't know he was the owner at the time, but the owner standing uh, toward the front of the building. And I said, sir, I'm looking to learn more about this. And I kind of repeated the conversation I had with this other guy. His name yeah. was Jamie Franage. And he said, oh, I have the book for you. Mm. I'm like, what's the book? It was Lorraine Bettner's book on predestination. Wow. Come to find out later, the owner of the bookstore was uh, in the OPC. So God and <laughs> his sovereignty was just working this all out. Right. So that then began to bring my wife and I into at least soteriologically reformed theology. Got it. Okay. So at some point, obviously, you uh, had a call to ministry. Tell us about that. That's right. Uh, the call, actually, in the Reformed tradition, as you know, there's the distinction between the external and the internal call. The external yep. call came before the internal call. Wow. So when my wife and I started to embrace some of these doctrines of Reformed theology, we found a church that was similar to John MacArthur's church, mm -hmm. and it was there uh, I received the external call. The way that happened was uh, my wife and I wanted to do medical missions for a time, okay. and so there's one of the deacons of the church. He approaches me after a Sunday service, and he said, hey, Leon, do you still want to practice medicine? I said, absolutely. Mm. He said, well, I've known you to be the type of guy who talks about what he enjoys. I'm mm. like, okay. He said, I never hear you talk about medicine. Wow. I thought, oh. Oh, I'm still going to med school. Right. right. You know, I don't care what you say. I'm still going to med school. Yep. And so about, I've got a plan for my life. That's right. And yep. nobody else's plan will trump that. And yep. so about two weeks after that discussion with the deacon of the church, the pastor calls me into his office and he said, I think there's a call in your life to ministry. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. He said, we need to go to seminary. And so I went to Westminster Seminary in California. Wow. Okay. So seminary training. And then, you know, we have external call in that people sense a call into your life, but then you actually have to go and pastor someone, right? That's right. A church has to say, you are meant to pastor us. What happened there? So it was probably my second sem uh, semester in seminary that I got the internal call. Okay. But it wasn't until my last semester in seminary that my baptism convictions changed. Mm. So I had hoped to get a call to a Baptist church somewhere right. yeah, in yeah. the U.S. And during that last semester, when my convictions changed, I actually had to turn down two calls that I had to two churches. Wow. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, uh, this is providential, but what am I going to do with this? Yeah, yeah you've ripped all of these Everything's opportunities. Gone. Yeah. It's all gone. Yeah. So the at the time, student dean, Dr. Julius Kim, said, now that your theological convictions, at least in the area of baptism, have changed, yep. 
would you consider the PCA? Yeah. And I said, sure, what does that look like? He hooked me up with uh, the Reverend Y. Plummer, yeah. who's the African American Ministries Coordinator in the PCA. He then connected me with a church called New City Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia. They flew out my wife and me to preach there and meet with the search committee because they were looking for an assistant pastor and meet with the elders. Things went well there. Mm. We flew back to Southern California thinking, what are we going to do? And it was shortly after that the pastor called me and said, we appreciated our time with you. We would like to extend a call to you. Wow. And that was in 2014. Wow. So you have been there for four years now. Not quite. Not quite. Okay. So after about a year to a year and a half or so, the pastor and I were talking about what does my future hold? Because right. he had just determined that I wasn't going to be there for a long time. He right. knew that I wanted to be a senior pastor or do something like that. Right. So after discussion with him, prayer, discussion with the session, they had determined that I could plant a church. Right. So in 2014, so okay. now two years later, they sent my wife and I about an hour south to Richmond, Virginia, to plant a church. And in 2014, we planted Crown and Joy Presbyterian Church. You've been listening to First Focus. For Reverend Brown and all our staff here at First Pres, I'm Josh Squires. Thanks for joining us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you'll join us next week. And until then, God bless.